1: welcome to polygamy what love is this I'm your host Doris Hansen. you know and until Mormon polygamists know for a certainty that polygamy has nothing to do with eternal life there isn't a law that can ever be passed that will stop them from living polygamy our purpose is to show from their own history and from the Bible that polygamy was never God's plan that God has revealed himself as a God of love and love would never require polygamy before we get started on on this show we want you to know that we help people leave polygamy and we help them discover that God will never be angry with them or at anyone for getting out and getting away For more information, you can call our toll-free number, 877-425-9993. We can discuss your situation. You can also go to our website, shieldandrefuge.org, to find out more information about us. You can also contact us about any of our shows, or if you want to be a guest and talk about your experience in polygamy, by emailing us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Also, audio versions of our program are available to download. Just go to our website's main page, soundcloud.com slash whatloveisthis for instructions. And our show is also on iTunes podcast. And now I would like to thank our co-host Earl Erskine for his bravery and <laughs> continuing to hang in out with I'm, us here. I'm
0: happy to hang in with you, Doris. <laughs> this is well, great.
1: It's, appreciated. it's fun, yeah, too. I really enjoy it. It is, it is. It and, and,
0: and very interesting. It's always interesting.
1: Lots of interesting things we can do dig up. Yeah. From from historical sources. That's right. You know, we've been doing a series reviewing a book entitled Mormonism Against Itself, and it was written by Raymond D. Moore. It's well worthy of your own personal study. It describes how Mormonism has consistently contradicted itself historically and doctrinally. This show is the final part part number five of our book review. The next topic of discussion from the book is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, growing up in polygamy, we were taught utter nonsense about okay. this event. I didn't know it was nonsense then, but yeah. I do now. And when I began my own journey to discover the truth, I was really excited to finally find out and know the truth about Jesus' return, which had little resemblance to what I've been taught. In Mormonism's early days, Joseph Smith predicted a deadline for the second coming. And in doing so, he clearly proved himself to be a false prophet because the march of time will always judge a prophet's prophecies. (laughs) We quote from Joseph Smith's History of the Church.
0: That's right. Volume 5, Nauvoo, April 1843. It says, There are those of the rising generation who shall not taste death till Christ comes.
1: Now, the rising generation were those who were alive, who were rising at that time in 1843. Now, in the minutes of a meeting in Kirtland in February of 1835, we find this.
0: Uh, Very bold. President Joseph Smith then stated that the second coming was nigh even 56 years should wind up the scene.
1: Now, this is in history of the church. It's all stuff that can be verified. This was 1835. 56 years would make it 1891. And Jesus didn't return. No, he didn't. (laughs) Joseph Smith gave a very false prophecy. They often justify unfulfilled prophecies saying that the people weren't ready. But God's fulfillment does not depend on us. When it's time for him to return, he will return whether anyone's ready for him or not. In his journal in 1840, Brigham Young wrote this.
0: Uh, from the Millennial Star. The patriarch blessed us and prophesied that there were those present who should not sleep in the grave until they should see the Son of Man come in his glory, namely Brother Kimball and myself.
1: Now, both Brigham Young and Heber C. <clears throat> Kimball are dead. They're lying in their graves, and it's been over 178 years, and Jesus still hasn't returned. That's right. Only false prophets give false prophecies. Today's polygamists have used the terror of end times as coercive methods to keep members under their controlling influence. Warren Jeffs and other polygamist leaders have predicted the time of Jesus' return many times, and they all have failed because it's impossible to know. Jesus told us that no one knows the day or the hour that he'll come back. In fact, this is what he said.
0: In Matthew 24, 44, So you also must be ready... Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him.
1: So it's when we don't expect Him that that He's going to come. come. Not when we do expect Him by some false prophet's false prophecy. So when you hear or read of anyone predicting the time of Jesus' return, you can write Him off immediately as a false prophet because Jesus already told us no one knows when He's coming back but God Himself. And unwittingly, Joseph Smith proved he didn't know either. Well, the next topic that we're going to discuss from the book can, is can murderers be forgiven? Yeah, Again, this is interesting. and we were taught, just like Mormonism, oh, yeah. we were taught in the polygamy group that murder is an unforgivable sin. That's right. and, but Mormonism contradicts itself on this as well. So yeah. let's start with Doctrine and Covenants.
0: Section 42, <laughs> verse, verse 18, Revelation to Joseph Smith in February of 1831. And now, behold, I speak unto the church, Thou shalt not kill... And he that kills shall not have forgiveness in this world, nor in the world to come.
1: Okay, now that's pretty clear. Yeah, that's There's clear. no misunderstanding that. That's easy to understand. In History of the Church, Volume 5, page 391, we read that Joseph Smith said that the unpardonable sin is shedding innocent love or to be an accessory to it. Smith said this in March of 1844.
0: This is the case with murderers. They could not be baptized for the remission of sins, for they had shed innocent blood.
1: Okay, now, we know from history that both Brigham Young and Joseph Smith ordered the murders of several people through the Danites. So based upon their own teachings, they were not forgiven of their sins. sins. And if they say, it says that no baptisms. Why were baptisms for the dead performed for, with Adolf Hitler? For him, which they were, there's records to that, if the sin of murder cannot be remitted. Why did they bother baptizing for him? The Book of Mormon, however, in Alma 24, says something totally different.
0: Yeah, verse 10. And I also thank my God, yea, my great God, that he hath granted unto us that we might repent of these things, and also that he hath forgiven us of of those our many sins and murders which we have committed, and taken away the guilt from our hearts through the merits of his son.
1: Okay, so here, many sins and murders here. It's mentioned specifically that it can be forgiven. So Joseph Smith taught murder is an unforgivable sin, and the Book of Mormon says it's forgivable. But both cannot be correct. It's either one or the other. So let's go to the Bible to discover what Jesus said about whether or not murder is forgivable.
0: In Mark chapter 3, 28 and 29, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation.
1: So Jesus said there's only one unforgivable unforgivable sin, and it isn't murder. Moses killed the Egyptian, and we know he went to heaven. Uh, David attempted to hide his adultery with Bathsheba uh, by having her husband killed. And David confessed and repented. We read from Second Samuel.
0: Chapter 12, verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die.
1: So obviously yeah. his repentance... And, and, and God forgave him uh, of, of both murder and adultery. Now, of course, there were consequences, but he was forgiven of the sin. Another example of a forgiven murderer is the Apostle Paul. As a young man, he was involved in the murder of Stephen. He persecuted Christians. In fact, Paul put it this way.
0: In Acts chapter ten, verse uh, chapter 26, verse 10, "...this I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison." And when they were put to death, I cast my
1: vote against them. Okay, so he was involved in the death of Christians in early Christianity. Where did Joseph Smith get his information, we wonder? Clearly, the Bible teaches forgiveness of all sins except one, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is rejecting and not loving the truth that God has revealed in the Bible. But forgiveness is not automatic nor universal. True repentance is required, which means the sinner turns. He forsakes everything else. He rejects church mediation and all and any righteous, self-righteous works, including (laughs) church mediation and polygamy and Joseph Smith also. And then they just turn and follow Jesus only. That's what true repentance is. The next topic asks the question, When was the priesthood bestowed upon Joseph Smith?
0: Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Joseph Smith received the lesser or Aaronic priesthood when he was more than 20 years old with the promise that he would receive the greater priesthood later. He also had a revelation that no man without the greater priesthood may see God the Father and live. The question is, how did Joseph Smith see God the Father and live when he had as yet not been given the priesthood?
1: Now, Mormonism is really against itself on this. It's back and forth. It really forth is. It's bottom...
0: big for me when <laughs> I learned about this.
1: And it should be for anybody because yeah. it's very important in the Mormon religion. It's very important. In Doctrine and Covenants 8, uh, 84, it tells us that without the ordinance of the priesthood, no man can see the face of God and live. We quote... Verses 21
0: and 22. Yeah. And without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live.
1: Well, that's, again, that's pretty clear. This is
0: 1832. mm -hmm, Pretty
1: early on. So how could Joseph Smith have seen God and live? he didn't have the priesthood. According to Doctrine and Covenants 13, Smith received the priesthood May 15, 1829, yet he claimed he saw the Father and the Son in a vision in 1820 when he was only 14 years old. If one cannot see God and live without the priesthood and Smith didn't get the priesthood before 1829, how did he see God and survive? Another point that causes great wonder and pits Mormonism against itself is in Joseph Smith's own words from the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. Now, this is not from the Christian Bible, but from the Joseph Smith's translation.
0: Exodus chapter 33, verse 20. And he said unto Moses, Thou canst not see my face, and no sinful man hath at any time. Neither shall there be any sinful man at any time that shall see my face and live.
1: Okay, now that's important.
0: That's the Joseph Smith translation. That's the
1: Joseph Smith translation. He says, no sinful man can see God. Well, was Joseph a sinner in in, in 1820 (laughs) when he saw the... In one more place, Joseph Smith recorded that he couldn't have seen God and survived the experience. The Bible also tells us that it's impossible for Joseph Smith to have seen God ever.
0: This is from 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. The King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen.
1: So it's impossible that he that he could have seen, that he could have seen um, God. According to Joseph Smith, he for three reasons, he couldn't have seen God. Number one was that he didn't I have the priesthood. Number two, that he was a sinner. Yeah. And number three, it's impossible for God to be seen. So which is it? Did Joseph Smith see God? If he did, that makes God a liar. If he didn't see God, then... He is the liar, yeah. claiming he had experiences he didn't really have. Frankly, I'd prefer to believe God. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> if Peter, James, and John conferred the Melchizedek priesthood on Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery in 1829, why did Joseph Smith say he received it in 1831? Mm. That's a, that's a great big long study, you yeah, know. That's, but it gives one. you something to look for uh, if you choose to do this study for yourself. Henry Caswell wrote a book in 1843. It was entitled City of the Mormons, uh, referring to Nauvoo. We would like to quote this from page 58.
0: When the present generation of deceivers and of dupes shall have gone to their graves, a new class of Mormons may have arisen, educated in the principles of the sect and taught by experience to disavow some features in their religion which are at present its shame and its disgrace.
1: Boy, that certainly came to that pass, was prophet- didn't it? Prophetic, yeah, very prophetic. It? <laughs> this is Mormonism against itself, and this man did write the truth. There are many principles and features of original Mormonism that are now its shame and disgrace. Polygamy is one of them. For sure. Yeah. Um, the curse on the blacks is another. Uh, the forbidding the LDS missionaries to teach blacks is yeah. another. Blood atonement is certainly one of them. If, uh, th- there's many others. Disgraceful um, features of the original uh, Mormonism. Today, they either downplay those yeah. those controversial beliefs, or they totally deny them. Uh, some hold that Joseph Smith uh, hold some hold that Joseph Smith is higher. I mean, like they put him on a real high pedestal than any man who ever lived. Yeah. Brigham Young presented Joseph Smith as greater than all others, we quote.
0: From the Journal of Discourses, From the first day I knew Brother Joseph to the day of his death, a better man never lived upon the face of the earth. Ooh. <laughs> they were so bold.
1: Oh, I guess. At least when John Taylor exalted Joseph Smith's memory, he allowed Jesus... To be above Joseph, we read this.
0: Yeah, he said, I believe that with the exception of Jesus Christ, there never was a greater prophet upon this wide earth than Joseph Smith.
1: And of course, placing Smith on such a high pedestal is actually idolatry. Mm-hmm. But even at that, let's see who Jesus esteemed mm-hmm. as being the greatest.
0: From Matthew chapter 11 verse 11, I tell you the truth, among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist.
1: Okay, John the Baptist. So so Joseph Smith wasn't even as great as John the Baptist was. In fact, Joseph Smith wasn't even a prophet in the sense that Jesus acknowledged prophets of God. We quote from verse 13.
0: "Yeah, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John.
1: Now Jesus said that. That's the end of the prophets. All the prophets were until John the Baptist. There are no more prophets after John the Baptist. And in a letter that Willard Richards wrote to Brigham Young in 1844, he read this.
0: The great event of 1844, which was the murder of Joseph Smith, so long anticipated has arrived, without a parallel since the birth of Adam. Ooh. Wow. Well,
1: first of all, Adam wasn't born. No. <laughs> True. So, So so Joseph Smith's murder is considered more important than the agonizing death of Jesus Christ. Jesus nailed to a bloody cross to pay our sin debt to, for, to provide our forgiveness uh, of even the forgiveness of the evil sinners who nailed him to that cross. That is of less importance according to him than the murder of an adulterer, a false prophet who in his own death killed two other men in a blazing gunfight. Joseph Smith had no parallel in all of history. And then to add insult to injury, Brigham Young exalted Joseph Smith to be our judge.
0: No man in this dispensation will enter the courts of heaven without the approbation of the prophet Joseph Smith Jr. If I ever pass into the heavenly courts, it will be by the consent of the prophet Joseph. Everyone will have to undergo the scrutiny of this prophet.
1: And they still believe yeah, that, that yeah, Joseph is. Smith is... He'll be is, standing is,
0: there and greeting us and clearing and, us. And judging. And not mm-hmm. us, but the Mormons. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. But that's not what Jesus taught. We quote from John chapter 5.
0: Verse 22. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son.
1: And the son being himself, not Joseph Smith, who right. might they might want to change that. But it's all judgment. All is is a very inclusive yeah. word. Yes, is. There is so much more from this book that we could cover, but we'll leave it up to the viewers to obtain a copy of the book themselves and to check everything out. I got again got my book from Amazon.com, and it's a very worthy purchase. Um, your lo- eternal life depends upon knowing and loving the truth. So we're going to end our review of Mormonism against itself with the topic of Z, Zion. (laughs) According to Joseph Smith in 1831, God said that Independence, Missouri was the city of Zion. And in 1833, he said that there would never be any other place appointed for Zion. But the Mormons were evicted not only from Independence, Missouri, but from the entire state. Then in 1844, He claimed the whole continent of America was Zion. Then in 1855, Zion was Salt Lake City, City, (laughs) Utah. If one believed all these Mormon prophets, we would have to assume that God had some real problems identifying and obtaining a permanent location for Zion. Let's look at some quotes to verify what I just said.
0: Yeah, Doctrine and Covenants, Section 57, 2. Revelation to Joseph Smith, July of 1831. Wherefore, Missouri is the land of promise and the place for the city of Zion.
1: Okay. So God said Missouri was in Zion. Now, let's say. Next
0: one is Doctrine and Covenants section 101, 17 through 21. It says in 1833, Zion shall not be moved out of her place. Behold, there is none other place appointed than that which I have appointed. Neither shall there be any
1: other place appointed. Okay, Zion shall not be moved. Missouri was the place. There's no other possible place for Zion to be if he had been a true prophet. In the Nauvoo Conference of April 1844, Joseph Smith said this,
0: The whole of America is Zion. Itself, from north to south, it is the Zion where the mountain of the Lord should be, and that it should be in the center of the
1: land. Okay, that kind of sounds close to Missouri, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. So already the boundaries of Zion is exceedingly expanded, <laughs> and it goes a lot, way long beyond uh, Joseph Smith's original prophecy. In 1855, in a sermon by the prophet Brigham Young, We discover where Zion really is. Maybe
0: he didn't know what Joseph Smith said about it. I wonder. Where is Zion? It is at the city of the Great Salt Lake in the Valley of the Mountains. It is in the settlements of the Utah Territory. And what is Zion? In one sense, Zion is the pure in heart. But is there a land that will ever be called Zion? Yes, brethren. What land is it? It is North and South America. Now we're North and South America.
1: It expanded yeah. big time, didn't it? And and it's it, it as if to pit Mormonism against itself even further. Another prophet and seer, Orson Pratt, in March of eighteen seventy-two preached that Zion is the Church of the Living God wherever it can be found. Okay. Did you know about that? Had you well
0: Zion in our hearts, and yeah, there was always that kind of Zion is where the Saints are kind of Zionist thing. is where
1: the saints are. Did you know about these prophecies? I didn't event? know about
0: the contradictions. No,
1: the, that it couldn't be moved from Missouri. That that was it. That was established. I felt, yeah, it? I
0: felt Missouri was it. I.
1: That's what we were taught yeah, that we would have to be yeah. run we'd have to run back right. there when you the, know
0: everybody you know prepared to go back to Missouri mm-hmm, when, the, mm-hmm. when the calling came
1: yeah that's what we were taught as well of course the Mormons were apostate so they didn't get to go <laughs> oh, someone said that just that
0: more, the polygamous
1: got, go. got to go yeah oh, dear. <laughs> someone said that Mormon teachings and the doctrines are as difficult to pin down as nailing jello to a wall and that's the mm-hmm. truth and since God always says has the final word, the final say, and the truth will always stand any test, let's see what God says about His Zion's location.
0: Yeah, from Second Samuel 5, 7, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the same is the city of David. And First Kings 8, 1, That they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion.
1: That's pretty close, isn't it? That yeah, tells us where it's at. It
0: is. And in Psalms 102.21, it says, To declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. And Isaiah 30.19, For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, thou shalt weep no more.
1: So there's four verses, and there's just dozens of verses in the Old Testament declaring where God says the location of Zion is, and it's Israel. It's in the region of the tribe of Judah, the city of Jerusalem, which was also called the city of David, and that is precise. Now, I know growing up, uh, and we're going to talk about this in, in the show next time, about being a mother in Zion, being yeah. being a great uh, uh, builder of Zion. All of that was so important in the Kingston polygamy group. That was a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how they dealt with it with in the LDS church, but... Uh, if it was a big, was a big thing, you know, to them. Again,
0: I, as I remember, it was just more of the heart, more more of what you, I mean, Zion was, I mean, in some ways, Zion was Salt Lake because of this. Uh, the, the way they used Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, um, where the, they said that Zion or the temples or whatever would be built in the tops of the mountains. Yeah. I didn't know Jerusalem had mountains, you know, <laughs> so I was always, I mean, that was just assumed that it was Salt Lake or Utah that would, the you know, temple in the mountains. And then you find out that we go up to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the yeah. phrase always, go up right. to Jerusalem. And
1: it's also called Mount Zion in the Bible, in the old yeah. Jerusalem.
0: So who knew that Jerusalem had mountains, and that's what they were talking about. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, yeah, it's, it is very interesting. Um, Again, Mormonism is against itself in the topic of Zion, just like it's against itself in all the other topics. And there's more in this book. We didn't cover everything, Mm -hmm. although we did quite uh, an intense review of the book. Um, We hope you enjoyed, and we hope you learned. from. And we do hope that, that some of our viewers will just take this in the spirit that it's meant, and that is prove everything. Test everything that you believe and why you believe it. Find the truth. Don't just accept someone's word for it, but find it out for yourself. It wasn't until I found it out for myself that I was really set free, and Jesus said the truth will set you free, and it honestly does. So we do hope that this has stirred some of our viewers, at least, to search for God's truths and check them out for yourself. I think one of the
0: problems, too, (laughs) is that, nobody currently talks like this. And and so many Mormons, and probably fundamentalists too, they don't really know these quotes. They don't know what mm-hmm. these people have said, and they never really put them side by side, right. like this book has, and as you've done, mm-hmm. we've done here. To to share what kind of thoughts we're going through and, and what the contradictions really are,
1: and that's true. And when they read, it's like they, they don't they can't reference or they don't reference in their mind. Oh wait a minute, I read something yeah, different here, yeah. and now I'm reading something different here. Yeah. Um. And, and and God's truths don't change. Well,
0: and they excuse the old prophet, and then the new prophets are never saying this kind of stuff, so right. they're never having to relate that, and they just it gets buried.
1: It does, and then uh, very quickly they they don't believe that things that were said that many years ago have any bearing on today, but it does because it's the foundation, and that's very very important. Yeah. Thanks again, Earl. You bet. My Thank pleasure. you very Thank much. You. I appreciate your help. <laughs> you know I recently read a Facebook uh, remark on Facebook from a very sweet young lady who escaped from an abusive polygamous family referring to abuse by religious leaders, she said, this is why I can't stand religion. I responded to her that that Jesus didn't like religion either and he said so very bluntly in Matthew chapter 23. God wants relationship, not religion. God wants a love-based, a grace-based, mercy-based, trusting relationship with each of us where no works are required, no worthiness efforts put forth, and no fears that He will ever leave or forsake or hurt us. We don't need a religion or a man to mediate God to us. Jesus alone is our mediator, and the Bible asks the question, if Jesus is for us, who can be against us? No one. Thank you for watching. God bless.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.